episode 43. In this episode of the Unboxable podcast, I'm Elena Turley and I'm releasing it deliberately on Mother's Day in Australia. I really want to shine a light and normalise mental health challenges in early motherhood. In this episode, we have the amazing Beth Blatz. She runs a business called Bright Eyes Custom, which arose out of her need to find some creativity as she navigated postnatal depression after the birth of her two beautiful boys in America. The wonderful thing about this chat is that we talk really honestly about how she discovered that she needed help, about the courage that it took to find that help, and how it really shone a light for her on the way that we need community, we need each other as we go through this multi-system change of motherhood. And that during those times that we can feel frustrated, depleted, we can be recovering from birth trauma, early motherhood, depression, all manner of challenges. And during those moments, those are the moments when we find a need, a deep need in ourselves for connection. I really loved talking to Beth and I really appreciated her honesty in sharing her story. And if you'd like to connect with her, there are links in the show notes to her company, Bright Eyes Custom. You can also find some really great resources that I offer, some secrets that I hold perhaps and love to share around reducing tensions in the home and caring for ourselves through those difficult moments in motherhood. You can find those at my website, Soul Mama Hub, S-O-U-L-M-A-M-A-H-U-B.com. Links in the show notes. And if you love this podcast, please do share it with someone who needs to hear it today. And that could be a mother, it could be a mother figure, it could be anyone that you believe will benefit. And please do review, like, and share as much as you can to spread these really important messages to all the women who need to hear them. I'm Elena, and I'll see you in there in episode 43 of the Unboxable podcast. I'm sitting here with the lovely Beth Platz. Now, Beth, I would love you to tell the listeners of this gorgeous podcast who you are, where you are, and what you do. Sure. Thank you so much for having me on. I feel so privileged, and it's just so great to share a cup of coffee with you. Yes. Uh, my name is Beth Platz and um, I am from Denver, Colorado in the States. And um, I have a two and a four-year-old, both sons, and I'm married to my love of, um, we're celebrating 10 years this year and we've mm. known each other for 20 years. So. Wow. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Have you got any plans to celebrate? We are debating it, but we're also thinking about getting a house. So, <laughs> so that's quite big. Uh, so that's kind of a big thing on our our uh, ten year here, um, getting a bigger spot for us and the kids. Nice, Beth. And t- so, tell me what it is that you do at the moment. What is your main project? So right now, um, the kids are at home with me full time. So I am full on toddler mama. 
Um, and then on the side and in my margin time, um, I just started a business about a year ago and it's called Bright Eyes Custom. Um, I'm an artist and, um, so that is my website, Bright Eyes Custom, um, where I sell, um, my artwork there. And that's a little note, a little nod to my kiddos, um, Bright Eyes. My boys just have the biggest, brightest eyes. So Mm. that's them. That's gorgeous. They must inspire you a lot. They do. And um, so, yeah, they're they're my biggest inspiration. And um, but, yeah, that's what I do when they are napping or when they're preoccupied is when um, I am able to create on my iPad or pull out um, some pencils um, is uh, on the side, man, (laughs) just squeezing it in in the margins. Yeah, and that's, you know, I, I see you there. I totally applaud your dedication to that. That's not an easy thing to do. I know for me, um, after I had my third child, I was living in Bath and in England, in Bath in England, and my husband was traveling to London. He was staying overnight one night a week. So he was out from, you know, 6.30 a.m. till about 8 p.m. at night and I had a kid at high school and a kid in preschool and then the first year of school and a newborn. And it was intense, you know, and no family yeah. friends really nearby. I had some new friends who I would hang out with a little bit, but I was pretty on my own. But I knew that I needed something else. So I took that year to actually develop my blog, which had been running since 2009. And I made it into a WordPress site for those in the know. It's a kind of a proper blog hosting platform, whereas before it had been on like the free ones like Tumblr or, you know, and I sort of hadn't, it never had looked good enough for me to really believe in it. It had been a hobby. And then that year I decided I was going to really focus on it and make it something I was proud of. And And it was amazing actually. It gave me just something to do outside of being a mother. And it's not that being a mother is not enough. That's not really what that means. It's that for my own mental health and for my own sense of fulfillment, I needed something else to focus on, something that I was passionate about outside of my children, as well as my children. And it was really interesting what happened actually when I spent just that one year because I didn't have much time. I was only focusing on really one thing and it really developed and I became part of the Ethical Influencers Network in the UK. It was amazing and um, built up some social media followings and, you know, it was amazing. And just having that ability to do something that fed my soul outside of motherhood as well as alongside of what made me a better mother. Oh, our paths are so similar with that or that year you're talking about. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm at... Uh, I'm at 14 months, something like that. And just saying, Hey, I'm going to make this something I'm proud of. Yeah. Starting to take myself a little bit more serious on it. I built my own website, you know, something I'm really proud of, you know, just starting to me, it feels like I'm starting to lay some foundation for a hope and a dream that might, um, you know, come to fulfillment when the kids are in school or just a little bit older. Yeah. 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 Very similar. It's yeah. true. Yeah. We, I think we knew straight away intuitively that we had a conversation in us, didn't we, Beth? I don't know why. I don't know how that works, but sometimes you just get a sense. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about what led you to what, like, why this? Why art? So, um, for as long as I can remember, um, I have always loved 
everything about creating painting, drawing, sketching. Um, I just loved it. It just popped up out of God's green earth, just ready to create. Um, so I've, I've always loved it. Um, but then I had my kids and actually after my first, um, I had clinically diagnosed postpartum depression. And, um, I remember my doctor asking me, well, what, what do you love to do? Like, what makes, like, what makes you sing? Like what, well, that's let's a good doctor. Add some of that into your life. She said, you know, I like going to Bible study or book club. And so she's trying to help brainstorm with me. What do you love? But at that point in my journey, I was so tired and so depressed. Uh, The only answer I could give her was, I just want to sleep. And that's, that's really kind of rock bottom when you have forgotten what I call is like my little first love. Um, So working with the doctor and getting healthy and getting some sleep and getting medication and working through a lot. Um, Later, I could answer that question. Mm. What do you love? What, what just brings you energy? And so finally I could have that aha moment and be like, Oh, I love creating. Why have I put this on the back burner for so long when this is where my joy Mm. really comes from? And so Um, to be honest, I was really nervous, um, picking it back up. I mean, it had been quite a few years. Mm. Um, and also I was just, I was also nervous about the joy. Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, it, I had just been so numb and okay with that in this state of depression. Yeah. Just going through the motions and trying to be a good mom and just yeah. make sure everyone is fed and, and putting everybody first. It was really nerve wracking to put myself back on the to-do list and take care of myself and not just, you know, make sure you shower once or twice a week, but like taking it to a heart level and be like, take care of your real self, Beth. And that's mm. hard. It's hard to put yourself on the, the to-do list and And in my mind, it kind of seemed frivolous, right? Mm. What what was hard about it? Was it because you, from where you were standing at that moment, it was too far away from where you were at that moment? Or was it that it was just so unfamiliar to you at that time? What made it hard? Um, My hesitation was to be happy. Mm Mm-hmm to allow myself to be happy again. And mm. um, it's hard to admit. Yeah, that is hard to admit. You're very brave to say that out loud. And I, I know what you mean. And it doesn't seem to, on the face of it, it doesn't make any kind of rational, logical sense that you wouldn't want to be happy, mm-hmm. right? But sometimes, and I believe this very strongly, and I want to normalize this for anyone who is listening right now, there are times in our lives when happiness is just not really possible and that even the thought of it is too confronting. Mm. And this, I can't speak to the reasons for that. That's really personal. There's a lot of reasons for that. There could be trauma. They just to state a few. There could be clinical depression. There could be psychological ailments, yeah. just like a physical ailment. We could have some thinking troubles, that the way that we think is actually running us into the ground, that we've learned 
to defend ourselves or protect ourselves with certain ways of thinking that no longer serve us. In fact, not only no longer serve us, but actually actively hurt us. Mm -hmm. There are ways that we can hurt ourselves with our own initially natural protective responses. And that's natural for us to do. That's the way our body works, the way our brain works, it's the way we're made. But sometimes they can get kind of all banked up and then Mm -hmm. we're in a corner and we're not who we really are anymore. We've kind of come too far from that. And I think sometimes it's a massive thing to, first of all, admit it. And second of all, take steps back towards yourself. It takes a huge amount of courage. And it does take that first, I think, you know, in my experience, and I can only speak to my own experience, but in my experience, it takes a real lot of courage to admit that you can't take those steps alone, that you can't find your way back to yourself on your own and to even admit that you need help when you're feeling that depleted and that exhausted or that traumatized from your birth or whatever it is, then it's really, it's, that is a very, very challenging and brave thing, you know. So the fact that you even went to a GP and said, I just want to sleep all the time is actually a really radical act, is a really brave act. And if you had support to do that, then that support is also a brave person because it takes a lot. It takes a lot to admit it, you know, and I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. I agree. And so if there's anyone listening who, who has had that same, if our stories sound similar or anything like that, I want you to know you are not alone and um, whatever brave, courageous thing you need to take, whatever action, I'd encourage you to do it because um, it does take a lot of courage, but you aren't alone. Yeah, and we feel so alone, I think. You know, a I lot of women, so I mean, that, that's the thing, right? So alone. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's crazy because the statistics tell us that there's a huge percentage of women in the world experiencing these kinds of mental health challenges and sometimes physical health challenges following difficult births. Multi-system change, you know, becoming a mother, every part of you changes, but we're often not that well equipped to face that and to navigate that change. You know, we don't have in our cultures often rites of passage, preparation, mental, physical, spiritual preparations for becoming mothers anymore. You know, we have a a high tea and then whammo, you're on your own kind of thing. And here's a bunch of stuff you'll probably never use that we've spent thousands of dollars on, but uh, see you later. You know, that's kind of what, that's our culture. That's what's emerged. And, and I think, um, we're starting to see the the results of that, which is that when we need to step in, we step out, you know. And, and I'm hoping that conversations like this can allow us to normalise this. Yes. That we need each other much more than we are realising, I think. Yes. And, um, oh, yes, community, such, such a huge thing that I, I value as mm. well. Um, I resonate with what you're saying. Um, and what I'm hoping that is if COVID has taught us anything is the importance of community. Yeah. Because I have gone a couple, we've all had a couple years of, of that lack of community, that normalcy that most of us probably had, you know, man, I feel it. Yeah. I feel it in my soul. I need, I need community. And, um, so I mean, 
as soon as things started opening back up, yeah. I'm finding the mom's groups. I'm getting to my Bible studies. I, I need it. We need the support. We need other mamas too, especially, I think it's also really neat to connect with other moms too, who are, who are doing the same thing with you who yeah. helped normalize. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I lost my mind when I yeah. found the marker on, on the table or, um, written on the couch, you know? Yeah. And just to understand that those expectations of perfection that we all carry, you know, there's expectations of what is normal, what is perfect, what is, what does it mean to be a good mom? You know, those things, they're, they're constructs, they're imaginary. Right. And I don't know anybody, like if you see those sort of perfect Instagram images of someone's house, I mean, who knows? They don't have three cleaners coming in every day. Like <laughs> who knows? Because my house does not look like that, as you can see. Like that, that is not me. And, I mean, I could show you there's piles like right next to me here of stuff ready for sorting, you know, because <laughs> I've pulled some things out of the garage because we had flooding. Like I want to have a beautiful minimal house just like anyone else, but I've got three children and two jobs, you know, so that doesn't happen very often. And it's yeah. frustrating and it's annoying. And like this morning I was trying to keep the edge out of my voice as I was picking the shoes up off the floor for the hundred millionth time. <laughs> they don't go there. They go in the shoe basket, you know, and that sort of stuff. And I was like, I can't be cross with them. They're just children. But at the same time, they need to know that I can't always do it. I can't be the only one doing it. And it and it's that expression, death by a thousand paper cuts. When you're when you're already depleted, those little things, one after the other, you know, they can build up and build up and build up. And I think so many of us relate to that story. And it doesn't take a lot. It could just take a really difficult birth. It could take challenges in a relationship. It could take a bit of health issues going on, you know. And, and you're, and all of a sudden you're on the floor and you can't get up, you know, and uh, it's much more common than I think a lot of us would like to admit, really. Yeah. yeah. And the more I share my story, the more I'm seeing um, others relating and I'm hoping that um, maybe one or two things that I say might, might cause one to go, Oh, is that, is that what I'm going through? Right. Could it be more than just baby blues? I, I don't yeah. know if that's an impression in Australia. That's yeah, something. It is. Yeah. Okay. Baby blues. Yeah. Um, like my doctor told me, okay, if you don't feel like yourself after three weeks, come on in and we'll make yeah. sure, you know, you're operating and doing yeah. well. Well, I thought she had said three months. Oh, wow. Why was that like the three month part? losing my mind, not doing well. And I was trying to make it to the three month mark. And I finally was like, I can't do this. I'm going to go in. And they said, Oh "Oh my gosh, honey. So I'm always checking up on my new mama friends. Okay. Yeah. After three weeks, I'm going to check in on you. I'm going to make sure you're okay. Um, Because I think it's also generational. Yeah. Because so I do want to make it more aware because I look back now to stories about my mom and my grandma and I'm like, oh, you couldn't eat dinner at the dinner table with your family. You had to be in the other room because yeah. it was so overwhelming to you. You couldn't. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think nowadays we call that something different. Like you yeah. couldn't help or, you know, so I do want to say that because sometimes at least if you're my generation, your, your parents might not know what's going on. And, um, 
so just putting that out there, um, just trying to speak up and trying to let you, anyone listening know like, oh, it's okay. You can go, you can go talk to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Three weeks. Or if your mom doesn't understand, or if it's just baby blues. Yeah, I think we're well into the we're well into the era of let's be real about this and let's talk honestly and openly about it because it's literally life-saving. I mean, it's time for us to start to look at this in a way that is very much ab- around our survival. Like this is about how do women actually move into places in their lives when they're able to feel okay, let alone good, let alone happy. Happy. Uh-huh. Enough to bring up children who can face the challenges of the next generation, you know. Mm-hmm. So so ideally if we want to help our kids become resilient future changers, we have to be resilient future changers, you know, and that means challenging the assumptions of those that came before in a way that is regenerative, in a way that allows us to do things a little differently because, you know, a lot of our systems are broken. Let's face it. There's a lot of things in the world that need a kind of do-over, you know, and and that's where we're at now. And that's largely going to be the work of our children, you know. So, so I think this is kind of in the bigger picture. It's like if you can't get yourself up off the floor for yourself, then think about, well, can I maybe ask for help and be brave enough to ask for help so that I can help my kids a little bit, so that I can be there for them. And, of course, mothers want to do that on the most, you know, on the whole, for the most part, mothers are very much geared towards their children. And that can be a great motivator. That's true. If you won't do it for yourself, will you at least do it for Yeah. Yourself? I mean, and that's the same thing, really. When you've just had a child, they're still part of you, aren't they? They're like, a, they're like your heart living outside your body. Mine still are. Yeah. <laughs> they're doing four and I'm still... 100%. Just... <laughs> Does it ever stop? I don't... At 19, 18, they're still, or are you able to let them go a little bit? Put it this way, I've realized that if I don't, I am robbing him of the lessons that life needs to give him. So it's that kind of monitored risk-taking thing. It's like I still stay close enough to know what's going on and make sure he's not really taking crazy steps in a direction that is risky, but at the same time, giving him enough rope to to make mistakes and feel those mistakes and learn how to problem solve those issues himself because he needs to, right? So yeah. there is that sort of every time I sort of step in and become a bit hover, hover mom, helicopter mm-hmm. mom, I regret it <laughs> at this point. I did it a little while ago. Actually, it was accidental. It was totally accidental. I made a phone call to his workplace to see if he was leaving early because there was flooding in our area. But it came across like I was trying to get him out to save him. Oh, no. (laughs) And I was like, no, seriously, that's not why I'm ringing. They said, he's a big boy. He can get himself home. I was like, no, that's not why I'm ringing. (laughs) So then I was like, oh, yeah, just got to stay away. Just got to really get out of the way. So that was a good wake up for me. But I think, mm. you know, we're constantly doing this as mothers. We're constantly working out how to let our children fall over and get themselves back up, you know, not protect them from falling in the first place because right. you need and, you need to. Yeah. And right now for me, it's literally falling uh, yeah. with my two-year-old, yeah. you know. Okay, all right, he's going to take a tumble. And, <laughs> and then with the four-year-old, yeah, it's just that in, in different increments as they yeah. get older. A lot of tumbles. Um, 
I love, yeah. But then the older one, okay, just giving him more freedom to be, oh yeah, you can run down to the mailbox or yeah. you're trying to let him be more him and yeah. try and find his way and um, express himself more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so pleased you got to tell us your story a little bit, Beth, and I appreciate your honesty in sharing this. And I think that the more we can talk honestly about all of the different pathways through motherhood, the more we give each other permission to authentically experience what motherhood is for us. It's going to be different for everybody. And I think it's so important. So thank you so much for coming on and talking to me today. Oh, thank you so much. It was it was lovely to be here. And um, I did want to let um, your beautiful listeners know that um, thank you for listening. And um, if you would like to go to my website, I'm, you can find me at www.brighteyescustom.com. Right. And if you do a forward slash unboxable, I do have a little gift for you. It's a sketch that I have made. It's a birth month flower. So if you're born in August, I will send you the August birth month. Um, and so beautiful. Thank you, Beth. I can send you one too. Thanks. Birth month. I'm February. Thank you so much. I'll definitely put the link in the show notes for that as well. So everybody can find that really easily. Thank you, Beth. That's very generous. Oh, sure. Yes. Well, thank you. I, uh, this was a lovely chat. Um, I really felt like I got to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. Lovely thing to do. More of that, please. Yes. Thanks, Betsy. See you soon. Bye-bye.